Hello, welcome to another episode of the Pacers Pod. It's November 3rd. The Indiana Pacers are eight games into the 2022-2023 season. And what is going on with the Pacers? What Eight games in, we just kind of take a little break here. Try to digest what we've seen so far. Um, what's the most interesting things going on with the team right now, in my opinion? That's basically what I want to talk about <clears throat> on this episode. And the, 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 the one thing that is prominent all the time is Benedict Matherin. And he is the number one thing that is interesting to me right now about the Pacers. How good is this guy going to be? How good could he be? Um, I was bullish on Matherin from the jump. I wanted Matherin before the draft. And I've been, you know, I feel like I've been shooting for the moon with Matherin. Just, um, you know, hoping and wishing. And... Eight games into the season, he's he's looking every bit the part. Um, Matherin has just been he's just been so uh, what's the word like just kind of like he's like been mesmerizing when he's on the court. It's like he's all you can watch is just what is he doing? Um, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that's going on that's fun to watch too, but like. Matherin just has that it factor that's just like, I, I don't know, man. This guy could be this guy could be a superstar. This guy could be a superstar. He's already averaging 20 points per game as a 20-year-old rookie. Eight games in. Um, you know, he's he's had he's been as high as 32 points against Brooklyn. Uh he's had games of 26 and 27, which I was fortunate enough to be at both of those games. Holla. Um, a loss and a win. But uh, 20 points per game, he's getting, he's averaging 27 minutes a game. So, you know, he's not, it's not like he's getting 35 minutes a night and getting 20. He's getting, you know, he's getting significantly less minutes than what a lot of these leading point scorers in the league are getting. And he's getting you 20 already. Um, he's just a professional scorer. And I think that the sky's the limit on Matherin as far as what he could be. I definitely think that he could be a 25 point per game score in his career. Plus 25 point plus per game score. Um, he's, he's showing that he is a foundational piece in what the Pacers are building towards. Um, no doubt about it. And I don't necessarily think that's like, I don't know, just like, I think I think that I think that you could say that Halliburton or you know Halliburton is a foundational piece. Probably the f- maybe you only have one foundation and that is Halliburton and Matherin is like the, the, one of the blocks that you're building on uh, first level or something. Um, anyways, enough of the construction um, discussion here. Basically, you know I've just been so impressed with Matherin so far and. Um, He's definitely, he's a scorer for sure in this league. 
And he's a guy that seems like he's going to continue to get better and better and better. That was the thing that he did in at Arizona between his freshman sophomore year. And I think you'd have to say that he's gotten better since last year. Like he's a, he's just a he's put he is getting he's getting noticed out there. Um, and he's a guy that just has that alpha confidence. And he's had games where. He didn't, he didn't get to get off to good starts and got hot late and or games when he just was torching all the whole game. And one of the things that Matherin said, or he says, is just like his confidence, it doesn't matter if it's good or if it's bad for him out on the court. Like his confidence stays the same. He's the same player. He's this player that's looking to destroy the other team's defense, just like getting relentlessly scoring the basketball is like his mindset out there. And if he misses shots, he misses shots. But if, you know, when he's making shots, it's like, you know, you just stop and you're like, Oh damn. Um, so good or bad, Matthew doesn't give a shit. Like his confidence stays the same. He plays the same way. He is, he just, he acts and carries himself like he's the best player on the court. And even, you know, he's not yet, but he, he, he carries himself with that type of energy, in my opinion, just from, just from watching him. Um, you know, he's, he's had the opportunity to uh, take a last second shot. It was against the Spurs. I think it was against the Spurs. Um, yeah, yeah, it was the Spurs. He got a, uh, it's like three seconds left. I think maybe the Pacers were down by three or, or maybe they were only down by two. I should, I should know that. I don't know. Basically, Matherin had a chance. He, he fired up a shot. He was smothered. Um, he didn't have really a good chance of making the shot to begin with. It wasn't a good look. But the fact that the Pacers, you know, they were in a close game already. They drew up a play for Matherin to get the ball and take the last shot. And he took the shot. And he just missed it. And... But it doesn't matter. He's going to take that shot next time too. Like he's going to he he's going to be the guy that takes those shots for for us, I think. Um, yeah, he's just been he's just been impressive in a lot of different ways. Um, there was there was a game one of the games that the Pacers had. It was against the 76ers. This was the first road game of the year, and. The 76ers, the 76ers had started like 0-3, and, so, and they're a title contending team. And so they were obviously desperate for a win. It was a home game for them. Pacers go in. It's like that's – it was, it was going to be a tough game for them. First road game. And um, Matherin struggled. He struggled in the first half. And this is after coming off 26 – I think he went like 19 points in his first game, 26 points in his second game, 27 points – in his third game, and then boom, fourth game at Philadelphia. Mountain struggles in the first half. He only has two points going into halftime. And um, he comes out, and he stays equally as, he, as aggressive as he was in the first half. He, gets, he scores 15 points in the second half to finish the game with 17. Um, but just like in that game, there was a time he took it to the paint, got blocked by Joel Embiid. Uh, there was a highlight play where Harden kind of stepped on his foot, crossed him up. He fell down to the ground. Harden, you know, stepped back into a nice three, drills it. And 
but I was impressed with the way that Matherin just kind of carried himself in that second half, especially. And I, I couldn't find it, but I just remember watching the game and it felt like there were, I think it bef- maybe the plays leading up to the Harden crossing over Matherin. Matherin had scored a couple buckets in a row or something. And I just remember him kind of, him and Harden were kind of talking back and forth is what it looked like to me um, from the, uh, from the broadcast. But just the fact that like, you could tell that Matherin was not scared of Harden or Embiid. Like he was going after those guys and he goes after everybody. It doesn't matter. And I just feel like, you know, the fact that his, his, the way he plays is, is always the same as as far as he's in an aggressive mode to the 10. Um, what was I just saying about his, uh, oh, his ability to like, you know, just play the same way if, if the shot's going in or not. He just, he doesn't get rattled. And it, oh, I was going to say, I think that maybe those are, those are kind of like, maybe that's what makes certain players great is some of those filters are just off for them. And it seems like Matherin is dedicated to the craft and, you know, from just his ability to get better from his freshman year in college to his sophomore year. And you certainly would have to say he's a better player, you know, so far in the NBA than he, than he was like as, as a sophomore in college. I don't know. He just, he's showing, he's, he's, he's got me like hook, line and sinker. I'm all, all, all in on Matherin. And um, can't wait to see him, can't wait to see him, one, start, and two, just develop with Tyrese Halliburton and get that dynamic duo, get that energy starting to, woo, 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 you know, just get it going. Um, hopefully that happens this year. I, I, hopefully he's not on the bench too long. Um, not that it's a bad role for him necessarily right now. It's just, I, I do think that Matherin should be, Matherin should be starting over either Duarte or Neesmith, whatever. Um, I don't see why you're not get like, why we're not getting to see him in Halliburton more right now. But, uh, I know in the second unit, he's obviously, you know, he's, He's, he just he just goes he goes and he he doesn't really matter if he's with the second unit or the first unit he, he he's always just on the attack um, but yeah so I guess let me scale back a little bit here on on the Matherin piece of being a very interesting part of the season so far the league has taken notice uh, of Matherin he is now in sole position of second place in the rookie of the year odds before the season started, he was uh, tied for fourth with Jabari Smith and that he had already started to move up after uh, preseason. I remember tracking that a little bit. Uh, so now he's in second place alone behind Paolo Bancaro um, for the magic. And so, you know, Bancaro has been, has been phenomenal uh, statistically um, and he's featured for the, for the, uh, for the magic. Uh, Matherin's doing what he's doing, coming off the bench, um, you know, only getting 27 minutes a night on average. And um, so I think there's good reason to believe that, like, there's still room for Matherin to, to catch Bancaro as the season goes along. 
if he can if he can start to you know get those minutes up and um gets humming here um but yeah i just thought that was interesting and it's a good sign right it's a good sign to see that those odds are working in uh you know towards him you know being a better player um one of the things that i was talking about with matherin you, you know a while ago was just his comparison to maybe an, an anthony edwards type the guy that plays for the minnesota timberwolves um and I thought, you know, that would be a, that would be a great get if if in the draft the Pacers could get Matherin, who turns into a guy like Anthony Edwards. And so I was just like, okay, well, you know, what did what did Edwards do in his rookie season? And Edwards averaged 19 points, four and a half rebounds, three assists, one steal in 32 minutes of, of uh, action a night. So far for Halliburton, he's at, or sorry, not Halliburton, but Matherin, he's at 20 points. So he's got Edwards by a point, 4.3 rebounds. So just just basically the same rebounding, two assists. So less than one assist and half a steal and doing that in five less minutes on much more efficient shooting. So a guy like Anthony Edwards coming in, he was shooting, he shot 41% from the field, 32% from three and 77% from the free throw line. So far, Matherin's at 45, 43, and 86, you know. Um, so very similar, really, in their statistics, except for Matherin looks like a more uh, higher level scorer than Anthony Edwards, based off of these numbers, comparing their rookie seasons. Uh, so it's like, let's go, man. Let's get Edward or let's get uh, let's get Matherin cooking. Let's get him going. Uh, look, I looked at Edwards. He's now in year three and averaging 23 points a game, six rebounds, four assists. These are all career highs. So, you know, this is something that we could look forward to potentially with Matherin two years from now. And I think Matherin, I could see him being over 25 points a game. But six rebounds and four assists seems like pretty good numbers for um, for Matherin. And the Pacers could really be humming if he's hitting those types of uh, statistics. Um, so obviously I'm very high on, on Matherin right now. Uh, but some of the things that just kind of started, you know, just like if you're observing and you're trying to think of some negatives, it's like, so far, we haven't seen much of the mid-range. We've seen him get to the hoop all the way and finish, which is amazing. Uh, drawing and ones and that kind of stuff. Uh, but it seems like he's he's like he tends to always go all the way. And he is taking a lot of falls, um, which it's like he's young. I'm, you know, it probably it doesn't affect him too much, I'm sure. Um, and that's just kind of like, I don't mind that at all. But... Uh, what we haven't seen is really like a mid-range game is I don't really remember seeing him taking too many like free throw line or just inside the free throw line. He gets, he does some runners like little floater type stuff. A lot of stuff from like the baseline um, when he gets in closer to the paint, but I haven't seen him do, you know, like a true like mid-range shot yet. We've seen it from three. We've seen it at the hoop. That's the only thing, the shot that I like, 
I'd like to just see a little bit more of those because I'm sure he can nail those shots too. Um, you know, he missed the game winner on the spur against the Spurs. I mentioned that. And this is one thing that I just thought was a little concerning. I happened to be at that game. And so the, they, they run the play. Halliburton's throwing it in. He throws it in to, to Matherin, who's swarmed. Um, but he gets a shot off, and it, you know, he, he might have barely hit the rim. It would, had no chance of going in. Um, so it's kind of just a busted play. Pacers lose. That's their second game in a row they lost to start the season. And Halliburton just kind of stood there. Um, and Matherin just kind of stood there for a minute. But they never acknowledged each other or from like just watching them on the court. Like they never acknowledged each other as in like, oh, man, we missed that. Um, or like, we're, we're, you know, we're going to get the next one. Like we should have ran that play better or whatever. It was just like they both kind of just went their own way. And um, I just feel like that was one of those moments where it doesn't matter if the shot didn't go in, but you kind of would expect them to just kind of acknowledge each other because they were so close too on the court. Um, and I just don't know. Um, I don't know if that means anything. Uh, it just makes me kind of question, like, is, is Benedict kind of a lone wolf? I, I just feel like I kind of get those impressions watching him out there on the court. Just like, not that he's not a good teammate. I, I would, you know, it just like some guys go out of their way to kind of like dap each other up or, um, you know, pick each other up. I just feel like Matherin is kind of playing. It's almost like he, he kind of, to me, it seems like he's kind of playing his own game. And he's in his own, it's like, this is him against this other team. And these are his teammates. But like, maybe what's mostly driving his play is like how he's doing in, in the play. Like, he's not, I don't know if he's necessarily thinking about other people as as much where... And this is just like off in la-la land. I'm just letting myself wander here. But like maybe Halliburton is thinking about how's, how's, has Buddy got a good look lately? Or like we need to get Miles to touch down low. Where it's like Matherin so far, it feels like when he's playing the game, it's like how many points? Like, I want to score the ball every time. Every possession, I think our best chance is for me to score the ball. And if I pass the ball, it's because I didn't have a chance to get a good look. Or like, you know, it's it's not, I'm looking to find somebody. He doesn't play, he hasn't shown that he plays that way yet. Um, so I don't know if his personality is like, you know, is he, I don't know. I just wonder, I just wonder, um, is, he fun to, is he fun to play with? And I would imagine he is. He's really good. Um, but then, you know, it's just like sometimes he, it's like he carries himself a little bit with like a too cool for school attitude out there, which I love most of the time. Um, and this is obviously, I just, I'm like disgusted with myself for saying this stuff about Matherin. Um, this is in the negative category. Like I already talked about all the, like, I mean, I talked about a lot of the positives and it's like both hands straight up in the air for me. I'm jumping up and down in the driveway. Like Matherin, Matherin is here. Thank God for Matherin. 
This is just in the negative category. And these are just things that I've wondered when I'm watching the game. I don't, I don't know what it's like. You know, I don't, obviously, I don't know. I'm just wondering. Um, but like, okay, so another, another thing about so far what we've seen with Matherin, it seems to me that he's getting lost or giving up on plays defensively just a little too often. It's not, it's not all the time. It's just sometimes it feels like he's just out of place. Like he's completely lost on defense. And sometimes it's like, okay, he does not, he's not like maybe hustling back one way or the other. Not all the time, but just sometimes. It just feels a little noticeable. I think, and, and you know, once again, this is eight games in. He's a rookie. It's, it, this is just, everything has been so good. Here are the things that uh, just aren't quite as good. You know? Um, I think he could definitely improve on his playmaking for others. Like I mentioned, like he's just, seems like he's just always looking for his own shot. Um, but I do think he's, he's definitely capable of fighting guys. And I think that's an area that we could see him improve on as he goes throughout his career. Like he could be a, it could be a completely different story five years from now about Matherin's ability to like get other guys open with the pass. I could, you know, like Edwards is already averaging four assists. Um, I could certainly see Matherin averaging four or five assists a game um, if he buys into it, to that type of team basketball, which I think he will. It's just like right now, I think he's in the mode of getting buckets. And he's playing a lot with the second unit where it's like his role with that unit is to be alpha aggressive. Um you know, he he's he's calling for the ball a lot, and I don't know. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just it. I do notice it. it. Seems like he's not getting it a lot of the times too. Like he's calling for the ball, and it's not necessarily. It doesn't. It doesn't necessarily have like power where it's like if you call for the ball, and the guy sees it, you're gonna get the ball. It's almost like feels like Matherin's maybe worn that button out. Like he's called for the ball too many times where it's like, if you call for it and they see it, they're not just going to automatically throw it to you. Maybe this is, you know, at the same time though, it's like, he's just being aggressive. He wants the basketball. He wants to score the hoop. That's who he is. Um, I think it's just like this whole year, it just got to be patient with him the entire, the entire year because He's shown us a lot of greatness, flashes of greatness already. Um, But this year we're going to see him struggle and get better and harden and grow as a player. Um, Rinse and repeat over and over, going through that cycle. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I I I want much more Matherin. Can't every time I watch, I'm just I'm so excited to watch him play. That's why he's number one to me as is what you gotta talk about when you're thinking about, about the Pacers so far this year. Both arrows straight up. I think Matherin's all NBA talent with his scoring ability. Um, 
what more can we see moving on? You know, Matherin is a slam dunk. Uh, you can't say more. I can't say anything more about him. Um, number two, number two thing that's interesting to me about the season is Benedict Matherin and Tyrese Halliburton chemistry. Because, you know, this is everything for the next era of Pacers basketball. I, I feel like best case scenario, we've got two, you know, two potential all-stars, two guys that we can build with and around, and they happen to both be backcourt players. The chemistry that they have together on the court is everything for this team. Are we, are we, a, are we a time? Did, did those two together, plus what the Pacers have coming down the pipe here, you know, <clears throat> are they enough to contend for a title? The chemistry starts now. It's like, those are the two players that we hope to be a part of that. Sometimes their minutes overlap, um, but it just hasn't quite, it's, it's not, it's, it's not as good as what we hope it will become, for sure. Um, Tyrese Halliburton was, uh, I think it was before the Wizards game, which was a nationally broadcast game. It was on ESPN. Halliburton was interviewed, um, and he said that there's a lot of room for us to grow. That was the, his answer to a question about, you know, like Benedict Matherin and, and kind of like along the lines of like their chemistry and stuff. There, Halliburton, you know, there's a lot of room for us to grow. Um, when asked about, you know, just his kind of overall thoughts of Ben, he said, you know, Ben's been awesome. He's been as advertised, you know, as just like an elite scorer. He mentioned his hunger for his hunger for the game, and he also mentioned that he's in, he's NBA ready right now. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to see Halliburton and Matherin have too many minutes together. Um, they they do overlap a little bit. There have been a few moments. Uh, specifically, there was a Halliburton schooled the whole defense by, you know, like kind of dribbling the ball over to the right side of the court while Matherin was on the other side of the court in the corner three. And Halliburton just kind of drew the whole defense to the one side and just kind of did a reverse pivot, pivot and just fired it over to the opposite corner where Matherin was waiting and uh, knocked down the three. So that was a great moment. Um, but there just hasn't been as much as you would hope for. And what I think we'll see, especially once Halliburton or once Matherin moves into the starting lineup, um, individually, they are killing it so far to start the season. I just don't feel like they're killing it together yet. I think that's still left to be desired. Um, I could see Matherin starting to average 25 points per game eventually. Halliburton averaging 20 and 10. Um, I just think that the sky's the limit at this point for these two. Matherin has raised the ceiling on what kind of player Halliburton can become, as well as how good this team could be. The, they, I, and, and I mean, it's only eight games in. But just so far, it's just everything has just been everything has just been so good with him. You almost have to now assume things are going to continue to go good. Um, 
yeah, it, it's 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 just awesome to have. It's awesome to see Mathurin flourish the way he has so far, and and I just can't wait to continue to see him grow this year as a rookie. Um, him and Tyrese, you know, you got to start thinking. Okay, what who are start thinking about the best backcourts in the NBA? Um, they got to win games to start really moving up that ladder. But if you think about best young backcourts in the NBA, uh, you know. It, it, it starts, they start to move way up that list. Um, but like with those two and, and, you know, I just imagine them being this dynamic duo. Um, the Pacers just got, they got to win games. That's when you can really start to kind of, uh, that's when you start to win awards and get all-star uh, invites and, earn true respect around the league when you're, when you're winning, not only in the regular season, but playoff series in time. So Halliburton and Matherin so far, they are just, they're just these two balls of potential and uh, what they can do with this team moving forward a lot of it depends on how they get to get, how are they together? It, it's got, they got to be, they got to be cohesive. And that's what I want to see more of um, from those two guys moving forward. But the third thing, you know, on what's most entertaining, interesting about this, about this season so far is, is just the man himself, Tyrese Halliburton and the leap that he has made in his third season, first full season with, with, with the Indiana Pacers. He has been absolutely phenomenal. Just statistically, um, if you play fantasy basketball or if you don't, Tyrese is the number one point guard in fantasy right now. So he's just super efficient. Not only is he putting up gaudy numbers, he's doing it with insane efficiency um from this from the summer on Ty, once Brogdon was traded you know from summer league really I would say when you start with summer league Halliburton has just been a different player uh, you know he's he he's been thrust into the to the leadership position and he's bringing it this year he is he is bringing it um he started right from the start. The first game against the Wizard, Wizards, uh, you know, Halliburton had 10 points in the first six minutes of the game. It was, uh, he just was looking for a shot. He had 18 field goal attempts that game leading the team. I think that's a big deal. Who's taking the most shots? It was Halliburton in game one. And it's like, you just got to remember, like, he's 22 years old. This is his third year in the NBA. He has got... He's so young still, and he's so good already. Um, it, it's it's just like it's cr it's crazy it's crazy it's crazy that Halliburton is so good, but yet I'm just infatuated with Matherin. And I don't know. I just think that uh, it's a good problem to have. I mean, because Halliburton has been he's been so so good. He is a he's a budding all star future all-NBA player if the Pacers win. If the Pacers win, 
Halliburton can can definitely make an All NBA team. Um, I th- I think that that would be reasonable for him to make an All NBA team. Top six. I mean, I know there's a lot of studs. I did a point guard hierarchy episode a while ago. I need to go back and visit revisit that and see what because Halliburton is certainly on the way up. His trajectory's up. His arrows up. Um, He's got the offense looking looking awesome this year, and he's the he's the engine. He's the engine that's got it going. It's humming. It's fast. It's so pleasurable to watch this team play offense. There's two or three or four plays per game that you have to rewind and look at it again because it was just, you know, how like I mentioned that play with Halliburton to Matherin in the corner. He had a play one time where he did this weird type of dribble. Um, I mean, just a, a, like a type of dribble you've never seen that he turned into a pass. Um, his ability to just like take these, make these crazy like running floater shots off the backboard and just like his deep threes. Um, Halliburton has just been, just been a joy to watch play basketball. And the team, well, first Halliburton is now like, He's playing so well. He's fourth in the NBA in assists. He's ahead of guys like Luka Doncic and Nikola Jokic. Um, the guys that are ahead of him are Trey Young, Chris Paul, and James Harden. But he's right there with them. He's averaging like nine and a half assists a game right now, individually. As a team, the Pacers are eighth in like points scored. So they're scoring the basketball at an above-average level. They're third in three-pointers made fourth in three-pointers attempted, eighth in free throws made at an 80% clip, which is really good, above average, and there's sixth in the in the NBA in assists. So offensive numbers, you know, it's just like, bam, just right there. It's like, okay, that, that looks good. They've shown they had a game where they set a franchise record, 23 three-pointers made. Um, now, they certainly haven't been hot in all games, but they have had games, obviously, that 23 three-point field, 23 field goal night was, everybody was on fire that night. Um, I just think, like, with the offense that we have right now, we're, we're already kind of hard to beat. Um, our defense is really rough. And we don't play a lot of great players, but... The offense is humming along, and that alone is going to win win us some games. And uh, Halliburton has just been putting up insane numbers. He's at twenty two points, nine and a half assists, four and a half rebounds, over one and a half steals. I think his goal was like he said he wanted to be a twenty and ten guy. So he you know he's basically doing that. Um, and just his 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 he's almost 50, 40, 90. He's, he's right at 49% from the field, 45% from three, and hallelujah, 95% from the free throw line. I mean, he's scorching as a shooter right now to start the season. Um, he's doing this, he's putting up these stats with less minutes, and you know, he's got like a he's got like a three to three to one assist to turnover ratio, which is elite, especially for the kind of volume that he handles. Um, 
I think another interesting statistic so far with Halliburton is he's averaging 15 field goal attempts, where last year he averaged 12. I think the goal was to get to 16. So I look for him to, you know, hopefully continue to be aggressive and press the issue. Um, you know, not press the issue in a negative way, but just always be looking to score as well. That's going to be a tip. That's going to be a ch- tough, tough thing for him to do. Um, when there's so many guys on this team that impact the game with their scoring, like Matherin, Buddy Heald, Chris Duarte, you know, Aaron Neesmith. <laughs> I mean, it's it, I, we're so log jammed at that position, but um, but you know, just back to Halliburton, I think he'll continue to just he's being he's being more aggressive. We're getting three more shot attempts per game, you know. The more the merrier with him. Um, he, his ability to just—he just has highlight jump shots. I mean, he shoots from the logos. He—he's just all over the place, and he has this beautiful arch, and it's just so—he's it, a splash. He—he he is like the definition of a splash shooter. Boom! It's so beautiful. Um, he's making everything. He's making high difficulty shots, um, and you know, one of the best things is he's drawing fouls this year. He's getting to the free throw line four and a half times per game. And that's an improvement from last year. He's looking a lot like Benedict Matherin with that regards. Um, You know, maybe Matherin can pick up Halliburton's passing a little bit. That would be a nice trade-off there. Halliburton absorbs some of Matherin's aggressiveness. And Matherin absorbs some of Halliburton's... um, feel for, um, I don't, or I guess maybe just getting other guys involved a little bit, looking to like, looking to make your teammates better, looking to, looking to put your teammates in positions to succeed. It's not just you that has to succeed for the, it's not necessarily just you that has to succeed for the team to succeed. Um, so yeah, I, I just think that, uh, Tyrese has, Tyrese and Matherin alone have just, I don't care. I wouldn't care if the Pacers were 0 and 8, honestly. If the way that those two guys are playing, it really doesn't matter. You, I like, I love seeing the wins. The wins, the wins kind of uh, make you feel like what you're seeing and what you're hoping isn't fool's gold. When, when they win some games, you're like, okay, well, yeah, you know, we just, we just beat the Nets. Or, or like, hey, we, you know, we just beat the Pistons. Um, I've been impressed. I've been impressed with the Pacers' play so far on the court. They they play fast and um, they play hard all the time. I liked all the. I like the the fact that we seem to press the other team often. I I don't know what what percentage of the time or anything, but it just feels like, especially with that second unit, when you throw when you throw T.J. McConnell out there and even like Andrew Nimhard. Isaiah Jackson, we start pressing pressing the other team, trying to get that ball back. I feel like we've had success pressuring the ball the length of the court. And um, it just fits the character of the team right now. You know, they, they, we're going we're gonna to play harder than everybody. You know, we're not going to be as the most talented and necessarily the most effective, um, but we can play hard. And I think you got to say that they definitely do. It's The proof is, you know, They've had a lot of games where they've come back 
they've been down big and they've come back. I mean, they've gotten throttled in the first quarter, feels like in every single game so far. And they always manage to find their way back and to make it, you know, at least interesting coming down to the end of the game. And they've been competitive. You know, they're doing it. Like, they've got three wins. I was super happy to see the win against Detroit. I, You know, it was the first win for the, of the season for the Pacers. And just to beat, you know, just to beat Detroit, I think is a, they're a good test for us this year, I think, as for, you know, like what franchise should be more excited about the, the current players on their roster. I think most people coming into the season would have said that Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham, you know, have more of an upside than Halliburton and Matherin. But I think now eight games in, and I think the conversation is definitely would start, would, would, would be starting to change uh, towards the Pacers. And so for them to get that win against Detroit, I thought that was a, that was a nice win to see Matherin get 27 and Halliburton played really good. Um, and really, Cade and Jaden Ivey played pretty good, too. Um, Pacers, you know, Jalen Smith looked awesome in that game. It was just a, it was a really fun game. A lot of these games have been fun to watch. Um, they got the win on ESPN, their only time on national TV against the Wizards. Uh, then they beat Brooklyn. So, and then they played Brooklyn again, back-to-back. And they got throttled in the first half. They were down 24 but then they ended up tying the game at 100 to 100. You know, the Pacers lost, but it just goes to show that they're just in every single game. They just, they never give up. They play super hard. They're fun, to, really, really fun to root for. Um, it, it just feels like it's only up from here, you know. Uh, okay, like another thing. What What's interesting about this team? Well, I wonder, you know, what does, because we know that this year isn't the year that we're going to be trying to make our push. So what does the roster look like when we are trying to make our push? Who are the players on the current roster that will be on the team that's trying to make a push? Um, and, and this is kind of what I think, this is kind of how I think about it. I think the locks for sure these are the guys that we're saying, actually, not only are you going to be here, you are what we're going to build upon. That's Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin. And I think you got to say that the, the Pacers first round pick in this next year's draft, because you we're, we're, we're most likely going to get, you know, anywhere from a, look, we'll, we'll most likely have a top 10 pick in next year's draft potentially higher and if it is higher like okay that's cool too uh, but like most likely we're gonna have a, a high pick and I think you gotta if we're building a contender in a small market we want we want to ride with three we want Halliburton we want Matherin and we need this next high draft pick in this 23 uh, draft that that's the locks of, of who we're going with. And I think it's fascinating to think about, okay, what would, what would actually be a good, who would you want to draft for? And that'll be fun to think about when the time comes and we know, you know, what position the Pacers are going to draft and we know more about who is going to be in the draft. 
and all that stuff. But like the first thing that pops to my head is like, it feels like we got the backcourt pretty covered here. We, I think what we really would need is like a, a really talented wing, um, a defensive wing with above average size. Like I'm thinking of like a 6'9", 6'10", type wing, 6'8", hopefully at least, big, muscular, um, like a defensive enforcer type. Uh, I just think that would be like the perfect type of person to build around, like to, to pair with Halliburton and Matherin, like some, somebody that brings toughness. Um, but I don't think we necessarily need another 30 point per game score uh, to, to pair with those two guys. Because Halliburton has shown that he can certainly score. I think Matherin, we can count on scoring. And really, you know, I mean, I would like for our third guy to, to be a, a 20 point per game score, but really just, being able to be fit like a 15 point per game score, 17 point per game score, but having like all defense type capabilities as at the wing position, that would be ideal. Uh, just, just off the top of my head when I think about what this roster would look like moving forward. Um, so after Halliburton, Matherin, and then the draft picks that we have, well, or even just like the really high draft pick that we have. Um, the Pacers still have a lot of assets. We've got nine first round picks and we have a bunch of cap space. So, you know, we certainly have the ability to move players that could become locks, but they're not on our team now that we don't know what that could be. But after Halliburton and Matherin, I think there's a pretty big gap. And then surprisingly, I was kind of surprised that I thought this way. I think that the next kind of the next guy that's probably you can kind of pencil in on the roster is Andrew Nimhard. Number one, you know, the Pacers signed him to a four year contract and he's been very, very, very impressive to me. His whole tenure with the Pacers, seeing him in summer league was nice and his his time in the preseason and in the regular season, he's just. He's just rock solid. He's just a guy that I think at the very minimum is a quality backup, you know, backup point guard, backup guard, however you want to look at it. Um, he just makes winning plays. He doesn't mess up. He doesn't hurt you. Um, and he's shown that he can shoot the ball pretty good and he can definitely play make for others and he can play really good defense. He's, fit, he's pretty physical, which I like. The way he plays defense, he's physical. He doesn't seem scared of the moment. Um, I think Nimhard's a kind of... A, Nimhard is, to me... It, and it's going to be very interesting to see this year. He's To me, he's competing with... This year, he's competing with guys like Duarte and Neesmith and, and McConnell for playing time. Um, but I think he's going to get the playing time. He's had games where he's had 30 minutes. So he's he's gotten a lot of run. He's not just a guy that's getting... At best, you know, 10 minutes a night and a blowout. He's, he, he's had a few games. He's, now he's definitely had his games where he gets hardly any run. But uh, just the fact that he's, he's, he's shown a lot to me. I th- so I think Nimhard is, is a guy that we can kind of pencil in as a backup guard uh, for a team that's trying to be a contender in a couple of years. And... Uh, and then this is where it's, it, it get to me, there's actually kind of another 
separation. And this is what was crazy. It's like, I didn't think I would separate Nimhard from, from these next three, four players, but just the fact that he's on that contract and I just think he, he's, a, he's kind of a lock he, to me. Nimhard, Nimhard has been super, super, super impressive. Um, but these next guys, we're just patiently, patiently, patiently waiting and hoping. Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, and Chris Duarte. You know, Jalen Smith, great, 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 great size at 6'10". He shoots a little bit. He rebounds a little bit. Um, he blocks shots. He has flashes of, of just awesomeness. Um, when the three-point shots drop in against the Bulls, he, he knocked down three, three threes. Um, he, had in, um, he had an awesome game against the Pistons. 19 points, 15 rebounds, three block shots. Uh, he's, he's, so he's had, he's had moments, he's had games, um, but he's also had moments and games that were just really bad. And he's, you know, he's in, he's at this point, he's just inconsistent. And when he's not, it's like, he's, it's like, he's sometimes he's just unimpactful in my opinion out there on the court. Like you just don't even feel his presence at all. And He's shooting the three ball at 28% to start the season. I, I want him to keep shooting. It looks good. He takes good shots. But obviously, we'd like to see for him to be the kind of guy that you would like want to be your starting big man on a, a, a championship contending team. You know, his three-point shooting, especially since that's one of his skills, uh, you know, his, his ability to shoot the ball, you know, I would think that that has to be at least like 36 percent, 35, 36, 37 percent. Now it's obviously early, so he could could end up doing that this year. Um, But it's, I don't know, it's just been, I've been, I found myself being mostly disappointed with Jalen Smith this year. I'm not quite sure if that's fair. It's, it's just been up and down, um, but but that's the thing. It's like you just stay this year. We just want to see him play. I want I want more and more Jalen Smith start him every single game up the minutes. I want to see Jalen Smith play basketball um, because he could be a monster. He I think there's no question he could be a he could be a starter on a title contending team if he develops into that. He could also develop into, uh, you know, being a role player. I mean, what, who wouldn't want to have a guy with that kind of size coming off their bench with some of the things he can do? Um, so who knows? But um, that's what that's that's just kind of where I see Jalen Smith so far. Isaiah Jackson, to me, you know, Jackson is he similarly to Smith. He's been just and actually Dorte as well. You can lump all three of these guys in there. It's just been an inconsistent first eight games. You, you can you can pick out a game or two or a few moments for all three of these guys, and you can say like, if this is what they are, 
you know, they're, they're, these are $20 million a year players that we're going to have on this team moving forward. But then there's other nights where you just are like, this isn't going to work. Um, now Jalen Smith is 22. Isaiah Jackson is 20. Chris Duarte, 25. And essentially this is all three of their second year in the NBA. I mean, Jalen Smith had, didn't get a lot of playing time earlier, even though technically this is his third season. Um, I like all three of these guys. I'm certainly not ready to say I don't want these three guys um, for this team moving forward. But there's just a lot left to be seen. And I think that just consistent play is going to be big. And I don't know. I guess we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see with see with what else. But uh, you know, just kind of back to Isaiah Jackson. To me, he hasn't quite made that leap yet. Even though I like a lot of the things that we're seeing, he's essentially averaging the same points, rebounds, blocks as he did last year. Um, he's given us flashes, you know. Of, of awesomeness, the game against Brooklyn. He he played 31 minutes. He had 18 points, 10 rebounds, four assists, and three three um, stocks, which is like blocks and, and steals added together. And he had a plus 25 and just really kind of, uh, you felt him out there the whole game. And that's the thing about Jackson, because of his athleticism and his defensive skills, ability to block shots, disrupt things. I think just the more, like, as he, as he kind of matures as a player and gets better on the defensive end and then can use his athleticism, you know, really to his advantage, I, I think that's, that's, uh, that's, that's just going to be awesome for him and, and why I hope to see him. I want, for sure, I think if I had to pick between these three guys, who I wanted to, to move if I had to pencil the first guy I'd pencil in on the team. Um, and this could sound crazy later on, but it, for me, it would, I think it would be Isaiah Jackson just because I, I believe in his development path a little bit more. Um, Jalen Smith and uh, Jalen Smith. I like Chris Duarte. I like for sure. But Isaiah Jackson, to me, has more elite level skills. And so he's only 20. Let's go. Let's go. Develop him into, I don't know, is he, in a, is he a starter? Maybe not. I mean, best case scenario, yes. But maybe not. Maybe he is, uh, you know, more of a sixth, seventh, eighth man. I, I definitely see him as a rotation player. For for play or for a title contending team, and either way, I just hope I, either starter or or role player. Hope it's with the Pacers. Um, Duarte, you know he's had a rough he, he had a rough start to the season. Um, he started out as a starter. He got benched uh, on in the third game, so the game against Detroit, which happened to be the first win of the season. They, uh, Carlisle started Neesmith in Duarte's place. Um, but really, 
I think Duarte's his last like four games have been really solid. Um, he he's he's playing he's playing much better basketball than he was in the first four, and not just because the shots dropping. He's just playing, I think, with more urgency and intensity. And that was one of the things that I remember Carlisle saying before he made the change was just like, you know, we got to get off to better starts and we need guys that are going out there and like, you know, ready to go right from the jump. Um, Duarte had the last game against the Nets. Now the Pacers lost it, but he, you know, he was banging. He had 30 points. Uh, he brought the Pacers back into the game. I mentioned earlier that they tied that one 100-100. Duarte was a huge, huge reason for that run. I mean, he just couldn't miss. Um, he was talking a ton of shit, which, you know, I get it. If you're you're feeling it, you're on fire. He was talking about the Dominican Republic, um, you know, flags that were out in the crowd. And he was fired up and he was playing for those, for his people. Um But I don't know. I just think that we'll see how see how he can respond to that. And, and we don't necessarily need Duarte to score 30 points a night. And that's where it's like, ultimately, I think it's a tough fit for him. It's a tough fit unless he's a six-man type. And I just, once again, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wander off into just kind of like, Stuff you probably shouldn't just like say out loud, but Duarte, what would be like his trade value? Could you, I don't know. To me, I don't know. I just don't know how much he, I like him. I like him. And and this is where it's just like with all three of these guys, honestly, Duarte, Jackson, Jalen Smith, just be patient. Let's just see what we've got here. I think it'll be a big thing that stinks about Duarte right now is to me, I think the fact that Buddy Heald is still here. Buddy's, you know, Buddy's second on the team in minutes, third on the team in shots. He's a, you know, he's a higher usage player on the team. So if, if Buddy gets traded, you know, that's really going to, a lot of that stuff you think would naturally filter towards a guy like Chris Duarte. And he could look like a player that you just can't get rid of. And that would be, that would be nice if, if he turned into that. Um, but this year so far, his, his stats are down, his minutes are down. And He's just got a lot of guys that he's competing with. I mean, it's a loaded backcourt. It's a loaded backcourt. Um, but we'll just have to see with Duarte. Uh, let's see. I do want to see more Goga minutes. Goga's been good. Let's not give up on him quite yet. Let him, let's give him one more chance. That I think that would he would be a big benefactor if if they trade Miles Turner. Um Gogus, he's still a bonehead. There's no question about it. You just watch him play and you're like, you're, he's still a bonehead, but I just feel like he's less of a bonehead right now. And he just, he's hes playing with more poise and he's got good skills. He, he really does. He's a skilled, he's a skilled player. And I could see him being a very effective role player. 
not starting center necessarily. Actually, not starting center definitely. He's got to make a bunch of improvements for that to be the case. But a backup center, yeah, sign me up. Get me some Goga. He's got good size, and he does a lot of nice things. So let's get him some run and just get one last look at him. And if it's not there, it's not there, and we move on, and we'll burn the jersey, you know? <laughs> um, I wonder about Aaron Neesmith. He, he's definitely looked good when he's played a little bit, but um, is, he, is he part of that Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, Chris Duarte crowd? I think you kind of have to include him in that right now when you're looking at the team. Moving forward, it's kind of like all four of those guys are, well, three of them are lottery picks, and then Isaiah Jackson is our own pick who we're high on. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of Aaron Neesmith. The last, the last thing that I wanted to talk about is that I think is interesting about this team is just when and how do we part ways with Buddy and Miles and Daniel Tice. Um, I think that I want it to happen soon, 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 soon. I just, I just, I'm ready for it to just be over with. And, you know, I would just imagine that there's gotta be some weirdness in, in the locker room with, with the, with the miles and buddy thing. Um, even if it's just like, we don't talk about it. We're all professionals. I don't know. It's just weird that if you're starting center, doesn't want to be there or, you know, doesn't think he's going to be there or plans not to be there, plans to be traded. Um, you know, I, I guess just getting, just moving on, just ripping the bandaid off of, of the old era. Um, I, I look forward to that day. And, um, it, you know, like I said, it'll, I think it would help eliminate any weirdness that's currently going on in the locker room. And it would just open up opportunities for the future. Guys like Goga, guys like Terry Taylor, uh, O'Shea Brissett, Chris Duarte, Aaron Neesmith, Andrew Nemhard. We just have a bunch of guys that I want to see play basketball. Buddy and Miles are taking up a lot of that opportunity right now. And, um, yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm just, I'm ready. Like, what? when does that happen? And, and what do we, what do the Pacers get in return? Do they get, like, a starter-level talent in, re, in return via a draft pick or multiple draft picks? That, that's the question if we could that would be that would be best case scenario if we're able to cash like they basically able to turn Turner and healed let's just say we get those Lakers draft picks which are like uh you know really good first round draft picks with potential and then say we're able to then trade those picks for like a player who's a starter level on a really good contending team that would be awesome that that would be awesome um, other than that, I would just say that I'm super happy about, about the direction of this team, just about Matherin and Halliburton and, um, yeah, it's good vibes. It's fun. They, uh, they started the season three and five, the next, the next four games are home, but they're against, you know, good 
playoff, like mostly most likely playoff teams. They got the Heat on Friday, then it's Pelicans, Nuggets, Raptors. Then they go they go away, play the Hornets and the Rockets, which are both winnable games, and then they're home and home against the Magic. So if you look at the next eight games, maybe they can get one at the homestand between like the Heat, Pelicans, Nuggets, and Raptors. I'd be happy with one win. Get one between the Hornets and Raptors or Hornets and Rockets on the road. That'd be a second win. And then definitely get one against the Magic, if not two. So I would hope that the Pacers win three or four out of the next eight. Um, yeah, three or four. So let's just pretend that I get back on here in eight more games. The Pacers would be, say, six and 10. Yeah, that's not bad. Okay, that is going to be it. Uh, Thank you for listening to the pod. And um, yeah, we'll just have to see how things go. Peace out.